welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. And there we are. Good day, everyone. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and this is Sunday. Here we are, Sunday Night Teacher Talk uh, in the afternoon. So if you've not, listen, I'm going to just say on the front end, um, if you've not been here before, this might be a good place for you to be because this this school year is unlike any school year I have ever started off and even beyond like the regular reasons. Um, and so someday we'll have to have some kind of tell-all book so that you know what's really going on. But uh, maybe I'll get into a little bit of that today. I'm not sure. Anyway, if you've not been here before, if someone, if this popped up because it was trending, because a friend sent you here, because you are just looking, searching, trying to find something, um, I say this is a great place for you. And here's why. What this is, the whole idea behind Sunday Night Teacher Talk was to create a space where teachers could show up and, and get help before they go into the next week. So here in the U.S., um, many of us have uh, tomorrow off. So tomorrow is... Um, depending on where you live, Columbus Day slash uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. So it is, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing in the world like a Sunday when you know you got Monday off. It's a beautiful thing. But what we're trying to do is help one another get ready for the week. And when I say help one another, that it is not just me. So if you have a question, you're wondering about something, you're, 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 you need something, put it in the in the comment section. Just write question or cue before it. It just helps us to find those those quicker. Um, and then other people are going to speak to your issue as well, speak to what you have going on as well. And so I want to keep this short in the beginning because I want to get into this today because um, this year has just been, like I said, unlike any other. If you need anything else from us, I will tell you on the front end that you can go right to realrapwithreynolds.com and we'd be happy to help you with anything. You can send messages there. You can uh, find links to everything. You can find the book. You can find resources. Because you can find, I don't know, hands on a stick. If you, well, actually, those are out of stock right now. But um, <laughs> you can find other stuff that's not out of stock right now on there. Uh, or you can shoot over to our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. And what that's going to do is provide you with, look, Seth Godin has this really great quote that I'm saying all the time. People like us do things like this. And that idea is so important to me because what it's doing is we know that all teachers are not the same. And so... Um, that is, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to create spaces and places for teachers that feel like um, they're like us, uh, teachers that are trying to, what I mean by that is like teachers that are really trying to be the teachers that they are called to be and need, need some help with that. So we're helping one another. We're, this teaching is a communal activity. And so we are trying to work on this stuff together. Um, this week, I have this, uh, this orange ribbon that my friend, Miss Bailey gave to me the other day at school. Um, it was the anniversary of a student of mine, Kyrie Simmons, was killed last year on a basketball a stray bullet. Um, and that is one of, in, since we've lost, oh, I think it's, well, I forget how many kids now. It's been about 20 students overall in, I don't know, 10 years, something like that. Um, and uh, four students since in just 2021 that have been uh, some graduates, some current students, two current students, two graduates from Boys Latin, uh, the school I work at in West Philadelphia. And so it is um, so we're, we're Philadelphia is, is leading gun violence um, like we are the like it's, that sounds like it's a contest, but like we have more gun violence um, and more deaths by gun violence than any other city in the country right now. And I think that, you know, part of the reason that we do this is um, I think the answer, part of the answer to that it's a systemic issue, right? But like it, part of the answer to that is helping young people to, to do something with the pain that they feel, to do something with, uh, to know their worth, to know their importance. And so um, we try and like, not, not instill that in young people necessarily, but to unlock it from young people and help them to find ways and spaces and places that they feel safe talking about their emotions and their feelings. And so very, wow. welcome to the city. So um, it is trying to create those spaces and places for our students as well. So I just 
wear this in memory of my students, but then also to just um, as a, to bring awareness to the fact that like this is something that's going on and that the work that you all are doing is incredibly important and and, and it's probably more needed than any of us actually realize. Um, you ready? Sure. I just want to put up Maisha's comment because I thought it was really funny and then you can explain it. Got it. To people. She said, I should have listened to you because for a brief moment, our copy room <laughs> ran out of paper. So what's your tip that you usually give? You tip know? is go into the office tomorrow, take a ream of paper, like a whole pack of paper, put it in the bottom drawer of your desk and then just leave it there because one day the delivery is going to be late or it's your paper sitting in the Pacific ocean on a cargo ship right now or something like that. And you will not have paper and you will need it for a test, an assignment, a project, a letter home, something like that. And then you will have it. The street value of that is so high. So I have at least one ream of paper in my room uh, and I'm not stealing it. <clears throat> I'm going to use it. It's for school. I'm not like in my room, like making personal copies or something like that, but yeah. I just thought that That's was really the move. funny. And always know who in the building has a has a printer. So just in case you're really in a pinch. Um, so our Wi-Fi went down. Our Wi-Fi has been down all year. Like literally missing tons and tons of days of actual, like, because the push this year is put everything on Schoology, have everything on Google Classroom, have everything online, and then students are one-to-one, -one, but then the Wi-Fi doesn't work. So then we can't even print because you can't even get a hard copy to the printer because there's it shoots through the Wi-Fi. So it's important to know who has a printer in the school. So you at least you can take that printed copy to the copy machine and then make copies with it. All right, our buddy so John move. Lopez. My bud. Next, he is asking, question, what other holidays would you like to add to the academic year? Oh, that's a great question. Lopez, first of all, let's just say that I can't, I, I, I don't make enough time to send you back letters. You always send me really nice stuff. I You gave me some Dunkin' Donuts gift cards recently. Um, and I found a really, I found a new Dunkin' Donuts in Philly. My So speaking of gun violence, but the Dunkin' Donuts I went to got shot up. And like, then it was like, it, like so you couldn't go inside and stuff. And like, um, so I found this new Dunkin' Donuts that's all like young people from the neighborhood work there. And it's so nice. The, like, if you're in West Philadelphia, if you happen to be in West Philadelphia, the Dunkin' Donuts on Baltimore Avenue is just, uh, it's next level. And everyone's so nice, and I just love it so much. So I go there with my John Lopez gift cards, um, and I get coffee from me and somebody that I think is going to need it that day. So I bring coffee back for a random person, and I give it to them. Um, and it, in, a, in a year like this, it just makes people feel better. <clears throat> what holidays would I add to the academic school year? Lopez, I've long since wanted to make a much bigger deal out of Groundhog's Day. Uh, because it's the most absurd holiday that we have in the U.S. If you are from outside of the U.S., you're really missing out, and you should speak to your government about this, because Groundhog's Day is something we do, where men in top hats and suits remove a groundhog from a stump, a tree stump, they, and then they look at him, and he lets them know whether they he saw his shadow or not, and whether or not we're going to have an early spring or a late winter. It's the most ridiculous thing There ever. is an enormous party thrown. It is a big, big deal. It's the most absurd thing. And I, Lopez, I would say, I think National Cereal Day, I think is a real thing that we should, that we should have cereal where we all eat cereal with the least nutritional value. And um, because there's nothing like, the part of the reason that I push for cereal days so much is one, they're just weird. It's a weird thing to do with your students. Two, everybody loves cereal. If a kid doesn't like cereal, they should, you need to have a deep, hard talk with that kid. And three, there's like, if you think about when people get together, whether you go out for a cup of coffee, for a beer, for a meal, you are always going out to like consume something and spend time together around the table, right? And eating cereal together does that. You are sharing a communal meal, sitting around together, talking, and it's just magical. So I think uh, I think I'd make a bigger deal out of Groundhog's Day and a bigger deal out of uh, I'd have National Cereal Day. Excellent. Let's talk to. Uh, if Shivy gets uh, elected into government, office, yeah. <laughs> yeah, our friend uh, Shivy is running for office in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area in Georgia. And so, looking to him if you're not. Yeah, I'll be like, bro, let's talk about cereal day. Let's um, go okay. Kitty, thank you so much for your $5 super chat. Um, we appreciate it. Oh, nice. Thank you very much. Um, and she's asking, are, are you teachers okay? 
I've seen more teachers cry in the hallway this year and in the parking lot than I've ever seen in my life um, for a hundred reasons. There's too much to do and there's not enough time. There are all these TikTok challenges. There are, are a lot of other kind of like disastrous things happening happening at my school currently. And so um, it is, it's just, it. and I think also like no one's been at work. Like we have, we've been off. Like it, not off. We've been at home teaching from home since March of 2020 until this school year went back. So just the the grind of that is a lot. And then you have all this other stuff on top of that. I will say that I get up early every morning. I mean, I've talked about this a gazillion times, right? I get up early every single morning. I go through my entire morning routine. I feel like the moment I walk into school, it feels like someone punched me in the stomach because um, there's stuff, there's, there's drama, but like real drama, not just like, uh, like, like, like things that there's just dramatic people in the world. And sometimes they just find drama no matter where they are. Um, but it, real issues this is real, real problems happening in our school every day. And then it makes me leave. I tried to leave the other day four times and I kept getting stopped. As soon as I opened my, someone came in my room, then I was leaving, someone was waiting at my door, then I was walking down the hallway, someone caught me, then I was getting in my car in the parking lot, someone caught me, then someone else showed up and it was like, it's this ongoing thing. So yeah, look, the, the bottom line is no one steals my piece. I just refuse. I put my foot down and no one has my piece. Um, and, and that helps to, to some extent. Um, our next question comes from Ms. Gonzalez. It's a three-parter. Uh, first part is she's asking, we are required to teach character strong and SEL curriculum with second, with second per class. Period classes. Oh, with second period classes. All of my classes, they are, they are the most dysfunctional. Lots, <laughs> of, lots of toots here. Tried a bunch of things, but they don't take it seriously. We get barely, we barely get to get the slide seven and there are 25 plus. Ooh. They are bored having to listen and participate in other things and are uncomfortable with the other kids in the class. Mixed seventh and eighth grade suggestions to get through the lessons or just get them to be serious for a second. So this is a really great question because we, we, we used to do a thing. Um, I forget what the program was called, but it it spoke to toxic masculinity and try to work students through a number of those things. Right. And the school, whoever, like there was like the creator of it. And then like some people from our school, like went there and like did the training and then they came back and they made slides and we were supposed to show videos and talk to these slides. I, I just, you know, and our students had a really difficult time paying attention to that as well. I think for several reasons, one um, it's, challenging and it's awkward and it's like it's kind of like forced therapy or something like that like where you might want not want to share or, or be vulnerable or, or talk about this stuff um you might not think it's a problem for you you might not want to share in front of the group of individuals that you're in front of like if it was a small group like five kids it might be different because now we can share and there's not i'm not like putting myself out there to that extent and although we tell kids that it's a safe place um, is it a safe place when you leave the room, right? So we can create a safe place in our classroom, but if once we leave, we can't, like that might not be safe anymore. Um, so what I did was I got rid, I, I paid attention to the program, but what I did was I would look at their slides and I would create my own stuff or I'd create, or I'd go, okay, this is what we're talking about this week. This is how I'm going to, um, sorry. That was weird. Uh, I don't know if it was a rogue hair or a bug, but um, <laughs> they, so I started creating my own version of it. And then I would sit in a circle with the students instead of me standing in the front and dictating out to the kids. And sometimes I'd sit like in the back row. I'd sit like in the middle of the class, but I would just sit with them. If we, if, so we're either in a circle or I'm just sitting amongst the class and I'd go, Hey, listen, before we get started today. So like kids come in and that's where you are. You're already posted up like in the class you're not you're, it's not this is already different than anything else we've done and i'd say let me ask you guys a question like what were you like when you were growing up what was something that like you were taught about being a man right so like when i think about being a kid it was like 
you know, don't be a girl, stop being a wimp. Um, don't cry. Crying's for sissies, crying's for girls. Uh, get up, brush it off. And, and we would talk about these experiences, but then it just kind of became a question. And even the way I was holding myself in the classroom looked like this was different, looked like this wasn't serious. It wasn't regimented. It wasn't so teachery, right? And sometimes when we're trying to have these questions and get kids to share, but we're running it like we do every other formal activity that we do in school, whether that's like, so I think of slides in my room are usually for vocab, for test review, for guided notes, um, something like that. Instead, it's like, if we want to have a conversation, let's set it up for conversation. And then sometimes I would use some of those slides, but I'd have it like a black slide up there. And then I just have the clicker in my hand and be like, so like, look, I was thinking about this, like check this video out real quick. And then I play the video. And so I think sometimes that helps. Um, because you have to also remember that students have not been in school, like like not not just that they haven't been in school, but there's so much newness to the year, and there's so much going on um, that we're now asking students to step back in and do this like emotional work when the last year and a half, two years have been so emotional already that I, I think we have to be mindful of that too, of like where kids are coming from, um, and then maybe. If you can, so what I do in those classes is if it's a 30 minute period that I'm supposed to talk about this really heavy stuff with kids that aren't used to talking about heavy stuff, I do like 15 minutes and I'm like, yo, um, I want to have this conversation with you guys, but like, uh, I'm supposed to do it for 30 minutes. We're not going to do that. If I can get through 15 minutes, I'll, I'll give you the last 15 minutes to like go on your computer, go on your phone, do what you want. Um, so long as you're in a seat, that means your actual butt cheeks are actually touching on top of a desk. You're not moving around. You're just planted somewhere. And I got more buy-in that way. And, you know, the 15 minutes could go a little long because if you were really hitting stride, I'd even know like, look, 15 minutes is up. If you want to be on your phone, that's fine. But like for some of you, we're really hitting something magical here. I'd like to finish talking about this with those that are interested. And then that's kind of how I, I branched that out. So it wasn't this, this sort of like cold and calculated way that school can sometimes approach things it was more organic than that our next no, question is coming from tracy she said my district has a student being taken off of life support due to covid hmm. not my building my feeder high school how shot how should at the district and building level handle this man all right so one trace that's really hard and i'm really sorry that that's happening um it, it, I really, I will say that to in full tr transparency, um, like when you, we've lost so many students in my district and I've lost so many students over a career in, in teaching at this point that I think um, I forget what it's like to, to not have that all the time and have it be sporadic or have it be your first. And I'm not even saying that about you, right? Like you've, you've dealt with loss. Um, like loss of a parent. And I'm sure there have been other people in your life that you've lost what we need to remember. And what I, so I'm saying, I'm the reason I'm even giving my own example there is that I think we have to remember that this could be someone's first, this could be a student's first friend that they've lost a student's first um, person that they've known that they lost. Maybe they never even lost a family. I have a friend at school, Hannah never has never been to a family funeral before. They're all like a hundred thousand. Everyone looks like Yoda. They're like, they just are all super weird, like, like so oddly healthy and like, God bless them. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but I think that we forget something floating around on me and then it's driving me crazy. My ADD is off the charts. So I, I think that we have to remember that this could be a child's first. And the best way to do that is this is to just, it is acknowledging it. And knowing one that it's not going to be a day, a week, it's not a memorial, it's not just it's not just a thing, and then life goes back to normal. Yes, you have to have some normalcy come back into your life, and you just can't live there all the time. But different kids are going to heal at different rates, and you can't put uh, an expiration date on on love. So you have to be ready to help kids out going forward because you know those sorts of like 
those feelings that kids are processing through are going to show up as a whole bunch of different stuff. It could show up as anger. It could show up as sadness, depression. It could show up as I don't care anymore and I'm not doing any work. It could show up as like distancing themselves from other people. And what we have to do is like in the weeks and months ahead, as everybody is going back to their normal, they're, they're getting recentered. We have to constantly be on the look out for students and faculty that are not feeling that way that are that, you know, like, I always thought, you know, I remember when my mom passed, we had so much food sent to the house. Someone, we got gifts sent to the house because it was like a, a week before Christmas when my mom passed away. We got like gifts sent to the house. There was so much kindness and love just pouring in. And then a week later, it was crickets. It was nothing. We didn't hear from anybody. Nobody checked in. No one said anything. And when that happens, we like you feel like this deep sense of loneliness and loss and, and emptiness. And so it's, it's about looking for those students, I think as well. So it's like long-term things. And when you're doing that, even if you've never dealt with anything like this in your life, it's remembering that your attention is more important than your advice. So we should be teaching teachers. Te there should be some kind of PD. We're teaching teachers um, how to sit with kids in those hard times and help them to realize that this, they don't have to say the right thing or do the right thing. It's like, except for just be quiet um, and just let kids talk and express how they think and feel and not help tell them like, it's all going to get better and you'll see, and it'll be all right. And like, there's all this Pollyanna like nonsense that we tell kids a lot of times. And it's like, no, no, no one needs that right now. What they need is someone to just sit with them in the mud um, so that until they, and, and just know that someone cares that someone's there for them, uh, cause we can't fix kids, but what we can do is sit with them while they heal. And I think that that is, that's what I would do if I was a, a district in this moment. Our next question comes from Steven. I'm not sure if this was for the group or for you, but we'll put it out there for everyone. Hello, fellow teachers. I am planning to teach research writing for my F for my ESL class intermediate level. And my school doesn't have a curriculum for it. Do you have any resources or suggestions? Thanks. Um, Stephen, I would say, uh, first of all, can we just talk about, come, let's, <laughs> let's just talk about this real quick, Stephen. Like, I just want to acknowledge you for a moment. It's the fact that a school whose business is in the business, the business, not just like the, the missional side of this, it is the business of educating young people and they don't have a curriculum that is like a roofer not having shingles that's like when i went to i went to chick-fil-a the other day i tell you this and they were out of chicken nuggets bro this is your whole job is chicken chicken what what do you mean you don't have chicken nuggets that's like if i go to mcdonald's and they don't have a burger bro what like so it's just so ass it's so aggravating to, to deal with that stuff I would say this, Stephen, go to our Facebook group, um, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk, and you can, right here, and you can, um, I guarantee you, you put something in there. So just go and you have to, you have to like answer a handful of questions. You can just tell us like, hey, this is Stephen from Sunday Night Teacher Talk. I you told me to come over here and do this. Um, we'll let you in and then post that question, that exact question in the group. And I guarantee you somebody has something for you or they'll help you find resources that are free. Um, and look, if you can't find something that's free, here's what I would do. I'd find something that was good. Then I take it to my school and say, I need this. I need somebody to buy this. I need someone to purchase this so we can have it for the school. Uh, that's really what I would do so that you're not recreating the wheel and coming up with something new. Um, that, that takes too much time and it's not, it's not a good use of time for you or for your students or, or anyone. So go find, if you can find something that you like, um, tell the school that you need it so make them purchase even if it's something on teachers pay teachers like go and get something and then have them uh pay for that thing there's some craziness I don't think there's some crazy there, argument crazy going, going, on going on outside welcome welcome to our neighborhood oh goodness can you take that banner oh yeah my bad our next question comes from salah i think i think i'm getting that right i'm sorry if i pronounced it wrong um, I am a new second grade teacher in a bilingual school. I've seen your videos and I'm trying to express myself in class, but it is so hard with COVID. What are your COVID pearls of wisdom? Uh, oh gosh. So I think 
let's see. With COVID, um, I'll, I'll tell you this. I get I, you can't really see it because it's lights on here. Um, I don't know what I'm, how I'm doing, but on my book cover, I have this stupid smirk on my face um, that people gave me a lot of crap for when I got it. Like, well, people, certain people in the world, right? I have this dumb smirk on my face. Um, and that's because I smirk all the time. Like, that's like, it, it's what I do. And so <laughs> I love making faces or like, I love um, being like a jokester with my students, like being sarcastic with my students. But then the way that I always let them know that I'm kidding is like, I just give them the smirk all the time. And so it is with my mask on, I can't, I can't do this. No one sees the smirk. They just think I'm being a jerk a lot of times, or they can't see the smile or they can't see me laughing. So it is, it is difficult. Uh, I would say it's about figuring out what you want kids to know and then letting them know. So it is what, what COVID has taught me is that I need to just um, say what I want kids to know. Like, like, so I might I might be kind of missing the mark on your question here, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying. Um, I think with COVID being a thing, with masks being a thing, with the with the with the fear that's in a lot of students and in a lot of schools and a lot of teachers of what we're dealing with, I think it's important for us to go over the top with things like caring for our students, like having grace for our students, like giving second chances to our students, like being easy with our students. Um, by loving our students. And I think it's also for me is a call to be more fun. And so even though this school year has been particularly difficult, um, it's not just me saying things in class or doing things in class, but it's who am I out in, in the school. So it is doing, doing things that are fun, doing things that are silly, talking to kids in the hallway. And look, I have a, a mountain of work to do every week like I consistently get emails from the admin that I haven't done something like where are your lesson plans and where's this and where's this and where's this um and you know my thought is like but when I go into the hallway and there's just kids out there I like and I have a prep period I just I think it's better for the school I think what's better than me handing sitting and doing my lesson plans and handing them in on time is like being there for kids in the hallway. And so that's not a whole period, but even if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes in the hallway, that eats up your time that you have to get ready. So I do stuff like, and I just happen to have these right next to me. Um, Target here in the US, I don't know where Target exists besides the US. Uh, they have these, this brand, uh, Mondo Llama Googly Eyes. And they are, what you're looking for also is that they are, they have sticker backs. So you can just peel the backs off of them. Oh, yeah, there you go. My pumpkin's got them on there right now. Uh, and there's more over here. Uh, I And there's more in this container. I have eyeballs everywhere. Uh, I love googly eyeballs. There's a gazillion things in your life you can put googly eyeballs on. And so what this is doing is if 90% of what you think about today is what you thought about yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before, and we live in this sort of like circular pattern in, in our lives, this, this routine, how better to break the routine? You can break it with violence. You can break it with cursing at someone, with snapping, with going off on your class, or you, you could break it with something silly, with something fun, with having some googly eyeballs. And if you think about like, just it, there's so many things you can put googly eyeballs on. I sometimes I put it if a kid has a banana in class, just put googly eyeballs on the banana. It's immediately funny and it doesn't ruin the banana. If a kid has um, a notebook, if there's COVID mask signs in school that have like the purse, it's like a silhouette of someone with just the mask on, googly eyeballs right on that sucker. And it's just endlessly hilarious to me. So it's like, I think it's about thinking about things like that, where, you know, when you're having a hard year, how can you love other people harder? Um, that's, that's how I'm thinking about things, which got, buddy. Oh my gosh. I think I answered that. That was masks with smirks on them. You should. And then, <laughs> and then post it on no, for you, like your smoke, your smirk oh. that you do on your face on a mask. That would be hilarious. Um, okay. Our next question. Uh -oh, where did it go? Uh oh, oh, here it is. What are your, um, what are your thoughts on modern classroom, AKA self-paced learning? Part of me feels like it's not really, I'm not if not really teaching yet, I think my current teaching methods are too lecture-based. So there, there's a couple of things there. One, I don't think um, 
look, it's going to depend on your students, right? So you have to kind of take a temperature check of who your students are. There are some students that will sit there and learn through a lecture because they can, they actually learn by sitting there and absorbing information and they can throw it back at you on a test. There are other kids that are like, nope, they're thinking about squirrels and swimming pools and candy corn and 97 other things while they're looking at you, or maybe they're not even looking at you. They're all over the place. So it, those kids are going to need uh, more differentiation. They're, those students are going to need more, like maybe get up out of your seat, like kinesthetic learning models. So I think what we're doing first is we're taking a look at our students and figure out who they are and what they need. The other thing is self-paced is fine, but I would have it be a portion of what I'm doing. So when we do independent reading, for instance, there is no, there, well, there is a due date. Like you get like what we're trying to do this year. My model this year is that you have a, each quarter, you have to read a novel on your own. And then we're going to do something with that novel. Right. And there's a series of different projects that you can pick from to, to do something with that. And then there are other years and other classes. I don't have to do anything with it. All I want you to do is just read a novel per per quarter. And I take yet your word that you actually did it. And I build the relationships enough that I know who did it and who didn't do it probably. Um, but that's only a portion of what we do. So there's there's a level of, of work where it's like, you have to be doing what we're doing and we're doing this together. And then there's another portion of the work where you're doing it on your own. Because just leaving everyone self-paced, um, like there, there's going to be, there's look, all work can't be asynchronous, right? Like, like the, I just don't think that's a good model and, and self-paced to me feels like asynchronous learning. So um, part of, part of what's learning it, it, like, and letting kids learn on their own asynchronously is fine, but there has to be some communal piece of that too. And I, I think you're really missing out if you're not doing something all together as a class, whether that's a conversation, whether that's a seminar, whether that's, a project together, you know, um, so there, there's something to the mass of people being together, working together in community. But, uh, you know, if you feel like lecture is not working, how can you minimize the lecture? How could you maybe make a video of the lecture and the kids are watching that on their own time or, or quietly in class? But that needs to be, think about like, what you're not doing is like, 14 year olds aren't watching a TED talk and even TED talks are short, right? They're, they're limited to 15 minutes max. Um, it's not college. It's not something that kids like signed up for and they're, they're super excited about. So it's about giving it to them in chunks. How can you make a, a, a lecture into a dynamic 10 minute presentation of what you're doing? And so for that, the resource that I would send you to is, uh, and caveat, this is my publisher and, someone that signs checks off to me regularly, but his book is literally one of the best books I've ever read about education. It's uh, Dave Burgess wrote a book called Teach Like a Pirate. And Dave Burgess's whole thing that about his book is that how are we presenting the information to students? It's not just what we're presenting, it's how are we presenting it? And I think that that is really a fun idea and his book will make you super excited to run into class and try a thousand different things. So that's what I would, that's what I would look into. Catherine Moxley is, I'm assuming this is a two-parter or it got cut off. Um, she's asking, I am a middle school SPED teacher, but I have been tasked with providing a small group class where I teach 15 kids that are a mixture of seventh and eighth graders for 75 minutes for grade level math and grade level ELA to better prepare them to grow on the state test. For English one, I have found a routine and structure, but for math, I am struggling to find a way to teach two grade levels at the same time with two totally different standards and pacing guide expectation. Any tips or advice on how to make soup? I don't know where the other part is, and I can't. Yeah, okay. Go from that. I think so, okay, no, I got the gist of it. Um, so. Oh gosh, I was with you, Catherine. I was, and I'm sure you feel this on some level. Um, I was with you when you were saying providing small group classes for 15 kids, even a mixture of seventh and eighth grade, uh, not the best, but we'll take it. 75 minutes, I'm with you because that gives you a lot of time to actually do stuff and create an experience and not feel so pressed for time. 
Um, I'm with you with math, even though it's not my jam, and e ELA especially. But then when it was for the state test, it was like, God, why? Um, and then the math piece, what I would do, Catherine, is it's, I, I think it's going to be a lot of, a, a couple of things. One, it's trial and error, right? Right, but it, I think when we think about trial and error, it's how fast can I fail to see if this works or not. So trying stuff, but trying to, if you're going to fail or succeed, figure it out really quick so that we figure out if this even works or if we need to change to something else. The other thing is, um, I would, gosh, I'm trying. So I have, I've known people that have taught like mixed grade um, lessons where they have like great kids from all different grade levels in a same classroom and they're learning stuff. But I'm, I, I'm, it's a hard question to ask because there's, I have a lot of questions to it um, that if I had answers to those then I might have an answer to what you're, you're saying. I'm wondering, I don't know if I have an answer for this right away. Oh, did she stump you? I think Casper stumped me at the moment because I because takes a, a minute of a because, thinking. Because it's it's based on like I'm gonna use it as my speaking block real quick. Um uh I need I need a partner. Uh it takes who are the kids, what are their levels, what are their IEPs say? What like is it behavioral? Is it a learning disability that they have, something like that? Is it um I I'd be asking things like, what is the rest of my sped department doing? Do they have any like advice as to what I should be doing. Um, has anyone done something like this before in the school? Or is it something that's new? How have they found success before? Um, I think it would be communicating to parents and finding out more stuff about their students and finding like... For... Catherine, let us know because I can see your comments. I don't know if it's for... I don't. I think she's a SPED teacher, but I don't think she's... It's for SPED. Yeah, but if you have a small group of kids, so even, let's, like if we just infer, small group of kids that need extra help in a small class um, to help them get ready for the state test, right? Like, and look, and how many undiagnosed learning disabilities and learning oh, differences are there in the world anyway? Lowest of the low. Yeah. So they're all inclusion exams. Okay. So you're, oh, so it's new. So what they're trying to do is fix something, but what they're doing is wrong. Catherine, I would 100%, I like, you can try and work on this. Um, and I think the Facebook group is probably a good place to pose this question as well. I think it's going back to your administration and saying, this doesn't work. Like this model is not going to work. What I need is an 80 minute period at the least. Um, and give me, break these kids in two groups. So now I have seven to eight kids in a class and um, we are, and I'm working with just seventh graders, just eighth graders. So now already those classes being smaller are going to be easier to manage. They'll be easier to get to every student. Um, and you are re like, if you want this to happen, it's about, I think, creating the scenario that you want to see happen and then going to the admin and saying, look, this is a good idea in theory. Here's why it does not work, but here's how we can fix this. And I think that admin often, you know, even friends that have an admin, it's a real pain in the ass when someone comes in and they tell you what's wrong all the time, but they don't have a plan of action as to how this can be better. Now, sometimes, look, that's admin's job, right? The reason you signed up is to be a leader. And part of being a leader is directing the ship and, and course correcting and figuring things out. It's not our job all the time. But in in the when you can, it's going to administration and saying, like, this is broken. I see that we're trying to fix it. It's not going to work. So you try to put square wheels on a car and the car is a great idea and it's going to help people get somewhere, but we need to change the way we're doing this slightly. <laughs> and we need to put round wheels on this thing because otherwise we could probably get there, but it's going to be really uncomfortable. It's going to take a really long time and it's not, it's not fun for anybody because you're riding this crazy ride. So it's about pivoting and then trying to figure that out. That's the conversation I would really be having because I think you'll find far more success if you're, if you're not, having to split your attention in a class that already needs super hyper-focused attention, that's that's probably what I would do is like, don't try and fix what's, don't try and like make that work. It's like make something else. And that that's probably how I would start. But then I think, 
And I know that's not the answer that is like, that doesn't help you walk into school on Tuesday and do the work, but like, um, but I, I think it's worth, it's worth pushing back on. And then, uh, so I would talk to my special ed director before I do that also. And like, say, Here, here's my plan. What do you think of this? Trying to work that out and then going to the, to the, you know, principal or, or whoever you would go and see at, with knowing that like you have the blessing of the, of the special ed department. Um, but it, with regards to like how to actually make that work in the time being, I think the Facebook group is the move. Um, yeah. And if you don't, let me say this, I'm going to put this out there. If you don't get an answer that works in the Facebook group, um, please contact me through the website. Just go to realrapidreynolds.com, shoot me an email, and I maybe we can set up a phone call or, or talk about that um, and help you out. All right, our next question is coming from Thomas. I work at a school with very with very helpful and caring colleagues. However, I have students with foreign languages who do not speak our language, not even English. How can I help these students? It's a two-parter without an interpreter or any other resources. All right, so this is another, similar to the question that we just got from Catherine. Um, I don't know if it's Thomas or Tomas, uh, but I apologize if I say it wrong. So what, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is this needs to be, so this is a bigger issue than your class. This is something that leadership in the school needs to make a decision about and figure out resources and how we're going to do things and help students um, because just dropping kids into a classroom and telling a teacher like figure it out is not going to work you there are ways that you can that you there are some things that you can do but there needs to be a systematic approach as to how we're going to catch these kids up and help them find success in the classroom so and that that is finding interpreters that is bringing in, you know, ha having students in the class that are bilingual, perhaps, and, and partnering them with students. There's like a lot that you can do there, but that needs to be a school-wide thing, especially if this is not just a right now thing. So like, look, sometimes, let, let, let's say like, you got a whole bunch of like Afghan refugee, uh, refugees that showed up at your school or something like that, right? Yeah, so sometimes you get like this on a lot of folks that show up for some reason and it's like all right we need to speak to like we have to figure out something for right now but th if this is something that's going to continue to go so like when i taught in came to new jersey and we would get consistently get um kids that would show up from dominican republic from puerto rico from from mexico or, or nick agua or something like that and they didn't speak any english it was like we need to figure out something because they're going to many different classes during the day. And all of these teachers, like, I don't speak another language. So are we training teachers in that? Are we bringing folks in? Like, what is the long-term solution to this problem that needs to be looked at? And that's a leadership thing for you. I think it's, it's really getting to know kids. It's really getting to instill as much as possible, a sense that um, you care that you're not going to let them, fail if this was if it has anything to do with like if they fail it will not be like because of you because you're going to try and like and what that looks like is like letting kids know that i'll never give up on you um and then proving it it's about finding other resources so maybe you're finding audio resources maybe you're finding versions of the book that you're reading that are um in their native language maybe you are uh putting like you know, if y'all are like watching a movie or watching a show or doing something in class, like that could be a part of what you're doing, but there's subtitles and that student's native language. So they can read along as to what's going on. Um, there are, you know, maybe finding book versions of what you're reading that are graphic novels um, that have a picture and have words in English so that they can kind of put a visual together and they can see some of that and maybe follow along with the story a little bit better like that. So you know, it is shortening their answers. It's what it's doing is trying to create a, an avenue for success for those students in your classroom for the time being. But that has to be a larger conversation with the whole school with it, you know, and, and it has to be leadership. Like teachers could talk about it and figure out a way to make this plane fly while you need it too. But you really need the time, the energy, the attention and the money from from school leadership to be able to do that. 
question. Isn't it interesting, real quick? Can I, I want to interrupt you before you, before you say this. Like that, some questions are can only be answered with money. Like, but yeah. but books and movies have us uh, have a lot of us thinking as, as educators that like we need to fix it or like this is part of the challenge or that there's part of your job description. Yeah, and and it, it's not. Um, that if we really want kids to succeed, then there are programs and, and people out there and experts that can help you do the work. Like we can meet, we can literally solve any problem. Yeah, the answer is always out there. I mean, that's the same thing. That's October's Dyslexia Awareness Month. I mean, there's programs out there to help all the kids read on grade level instead of having how many students, how many teachers have students that read on second and third grade levels that teach high school? Lots of them. Yeah. Probably every teacher can say that. And there, there's just really not a reason when we have programs like Orton Gillingham, there are teachers that don't even know what Orton Gillingham is, Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous. Like that's one example to solve a problem, but there's, there's tons of other resources and, yeah. and answers to solutions, but it all takes money. It's usually the problem. And, but that, I think, I don't know. I wonder what that question is like. I wonder what that's like when you're dealing with administration um, or admin. Like, it's about finding those resources, finding that money, finding that time, finding those experts, making sure that this happens um, so that kids can get what they need. But I just think that's so curious that it's, it always comes down to the teachers. Uh, so, like, when right. my mentee last year had to teach, one of my mentees had to teach in an auditorium. And like 50 kids and more more in the auditorium because their school got that they, they had some issues at the school they had to go to this like local like civic center kind of a thing and they and they were told like hey if we saw a movie or read a book about a teacher that did this and they made it work so you can make it work too and it's like bro what <laughs> that's so dumb like i read a book about the Dude, wright brothers but i'm about to go build that, an airplane like, what yeah I know, it's so right? preposterous Okay, our yeah, next sorry. question. How do you feel about teachers' pay in unionized states? The potential to make 80 to 90,000 for 180 contract days seems fair. Thoughts? Look. First of all, I want to know what states make 80 to 90,000, like other than San Francisco, where the cost of living is so astronomical that it doesn't really even. Well, look, I think really, I mean, I. I don't know what the price point that teachers should be making is. Um, but the fact that I'll tell you this, one of the reasons I do I, like YouTube is like been such an incredibly huge blessing in my life is that I can't, and I won't tell you how much I make because that's going to create a whole bunch of contract. I'm not even against saying it out loud, but like, um, if you want to dig in previous videos, it's in there. You probably, but like, but like when I say like, and look, cause I've gotten, I've gotten stuff cause people hear numbers and then that's like where you are, that might be a ton where you are. That might not be a lot. But like when I first started teaching, for instance, I made $31,000 a year, my first year that I taught. And I know that there are teachers in Oklahoma that don't even make $31,000 a year. Right. So in Oklahoma, that might be a lot where I live um, in the Philadelphia Metro area is not that much money. Like, like, it's so expensive for my mortgage for I have two cars because I have kids and I drive to work every day. Um, it's five dollars just to get over the bridge every day, five days a week. And if I go to a football game or if I go back up to school for something, that's even more money. Um, there's all this accrued cost that like we don't have a driveway. Yeah, we don't have a driveway. So a, a high area with alcoholics. So our car insurance is more yeah. expensive because we don't have a driveway. Crazy stuff like that. Yeah. So. With, with that being said, I'm not sure what the price point is overall for what teachers should make, but I can't live, I cannot support my family on what I make. And I make probably more as an educator than most people do because um, I've been doing it for a long time. And because I don't know, it's just how the cards played out, but like, uh, but I still can't support my family on the amount of money that I make a year. I have to do YouTube. This is how I make things work. This pay, YouTube allows me to teach. Um, so, but I think that teachers should be making way more money. Like, even if you're making 90 K is not enough, like what, like, like you should be making more money than that because this is not an hourly thing. Teachers work 
way beyond anything else. And if you're an entrepreneur, if I'm in my entrepreneur life, right, with Real Rap with Reynolds, I am able to make, sometimes I make stupid money. So if I work with a brand, I get to make like bonkers money off of working with a brand deal. Um, and it's never hourly. It's based on your worth. It's based on how much money do or how much money do we want to throw at this problem? And so if we were paying teachers $100,000, $150,000 a year to solve problems, then if you want to take uh, Thomas's question and say, hey, I got kids put in my classroom and here's what I have to do. But we pay you 150 grand a year to figure this out. Go figure it out. That's different to me than we pay you $43,000 a year. Now go figure this out, bro. Because I can make that at working at Home Depot full time. Um, and so let's just say this, Miss G said her first contract offer was $19,000. Yeah. So that's awful. No, it's Catholic school money. That's what it is. And so it's, it is, but because, yeah, so that, that's where I'm coming out with that. Like, I think that teachers should make a hell of a lot more than they already do. Um, cause you know what, you know, you know what teachers are going to do with that too. Like if you pay the teacher $200,000 a, a year. You know what the majority, and then and then we we just then we can fire fast, right? So like if someone sucks, you don't get to stay around. We're only keeping people in that are doing a great job, right. that are good at what they do, that have kids first. Mm -hmm. We are teachers, and this is like not the reason you should pay them, but like um, are just going to bless others. One of the most amazing things about making more money is that you can just bless other people. That you can like we've paid for tons of stuff for kids over the years because we've just like you get a brand deal and you have money for something and it's like, oh, so-and-so needs glasses or detergent or they are, you know, whatever it is, um, the work that we're getting to do helps us to scale that and helps like, you know, I'd love to be able to just like hear about a kid that needs their car fixed. And it's like, I got you, bro. I hear about a kid that wants to st start a business. And it's like, you can help them out hear about someone whose lights got cut off in their house and be able to pay for it. Like that's what teachers do with their money. They pay for all this stuff on their own anyway. So, so yeah, I don't know, that's, that's a whole huge conversation, but it is a really good and important conversation to have. And now I got caught up and I didn't have my next question ready. Here it is. Eric is asking, can you talk more about buy-in? My students still seem to not care about anything but lunch and pee. <laughs> um, gosh, that's because they're growing and that's all kids care about is, uh, is, they have what are we eating? Super amount of energy that they need to burn off, and they're what's they need the to number to one question? That energy. It from our question. Two top questions from our kids are: yeah. what, are what are we eating, and can I go play with my friends, whether or online or in person? Mm -hmm. It's the number, the top two things that we're talked about. <sighs> Look, I think Eric, buy-in is um, sometimes a long-term game. That it's not something that you're going to get to this year all the time. But what we're trying to do is create classes that are that are engaging that are exciting that that kids might want to to do right so that that's part of the game is like creating engaging magical moments for students to get what they're getting the other piece is creating uh lessons that matter um and then lessons that kids feel that they can do so we're not they don't just feel like oh my god oh, i'm not doing this this is stupid i'm not doing this. It's too much work so it's like giving them bite-sized things. So it's scaling over time. I think the other thing is creating a culture within your school that is constantly, constantly speaking to why we're doing this, why this matters, why you're worth it, why you, you should be doing this stuff, what this means to your life. That should be the over thing. Um, like song of your school. Like this is something that should be like that bell should be rung every single day hard and it should really, really mean it and matter. So part of what I'm thinking is like, how can you look at your school team, like the team that you're a part of, whether that's school wide or whether if you're in a smaller school, maybe it's just your grade level or, or just the teachers or whatever, but you're looking at something and figuring out like, how do we, like, this is a great conversation. How do we make this matter? How do we help student buy-in when where there's so much apathy in the school and that can't just be um that can't just be like like uh complaining about stuff it has to be solutions based conversation
conversation. So like, of course, complaining can be a part of it, but then it's like, what are we doing with this? Um, and I think coming up with, with ways to get kids to buy in. So one of the ways I do to get kids to buy in, so I, I don't think some schools incentives work. My school incentives never work. Um, they just like, we can incentivize and tell kids everyone gets a PS5 if they do well, but that's not going to, that doesn't move anyone. Uh, for some reason, staying out of trouble does, but, but get like winning something doesn't, but not losing something does. That's kind of weird. It is about bringing in guests, about getting guests to, to speak to your students. So I have uh, next week, I think, uh, this guy, Antoine Burton, who was on the, the Denver Broncos for six years and is now um, uh, like a, a wildly successful entrepreneur out in California. Um, he's going to speak to my class about, um, or he's in Colorado, but anyway, he's going to zoom in with my class and talk about where he came from what he did and then how he did it. So what we act, what we're doing here in school to being successful as an entrepreneur, a business owner, um, or, or even an, an athlete. Um, so it's, it's making that connection point for your students. So it's like sitting down and thinking of an uncanny amount of opportunities that are going to try to address those things in your class. And then to me, it's also, it's occasionally about like sitting down with students and having real conversations with them and saying things like, I, I remember the first time I ever did this was with a kid, uh, my first year of teaching who hated his stepdad. Uh, mom was kind of a mess and he had a little sister and the dude was always in trouble in school. And I said, listen, what do you want? Your sister's seven years younger than you are. Um, Alton, Alton, was his name. I think, I don't know if I remember his last name, but uh, Alton sat at my desk and I said, look, all you do is get in trouble all the time. And I know you don't care. And I know that you think it's funny that it pisses your stepdad off and that it makes your mom like pay attention to you because she doesn't pay attention to you otherwise. So like, like any attention is good attention. But if you think about your little sister who's seven years younger than you, um, she's going to be, so she's seven, you're 14. By the time, like you, when you get out of college, she's still going to be going through the school system what do you want for her? Do you want her to just like, when you move on, when you move out, do you want her to just be left with your stepdad and your unattentive mom? Um, or do you want something better for her? Because what you can do is work hard. You can play this game that you don't want to play, but you play it because you love her. Cause you have a, you have a why and then go to college and then get a job and then like have a place and you have an extra bedroom. And what if your sister just came and stayed with you whenever she needed to, whenever she wanted to, when things were getting hard and no one felt like she didn't feel like anyone was paying her attention at home, you had a nice, clean, neat, cool bedroom for her to come stay at. And sometimes walking kids through scenarios like that, of letting them know that this isn't just for school. This is what we're trying to do is empower you. We're trying to create like unlock lock in you your potential, not so we can say we did it, but so that you can live a life that you dream of and you can bless those around you in uncanny abilities and uncanny ways um, that you're not really thinking about. So right now you're thinking because you're a kid, you're thinking about you. You're thinking about what feels good to you, what works for you. But I know that you love and care about other people. What happens when your life becomes a blessing that ripples out and affects those around you? And that is a different conversation to have with students. And when we can do that, it empowers young people to look at things differently and to see this as a challenge, this as something that the world's saying you can't do. And I'm telling you, you can, and I'm showing you why you should do it, bro. Now it's game on. Now that changes things, but that's a bigger question. What you got? Next question is from Ms. Gonzalez. Um, just got approval to meet with some of our standout students. Yes, the toots one time a week during all three lunches, taking the place of my conference time, but so needed. No set curriculum. How do I break the ice? Um, I think you, I think the best way to break the ice is always to just talk to kids. So can I give the example of the other night without using too oh, much detail? Yes. Okay. Just so don't use the name. Okay. So, um, I had to, I'm going to be vague about this just on the off chance that someone's watching this and I don't want to make anyone feel awkward. I'll say this. A guest came to my house the other night. It was a young man that has been through a lot of trauma in his life, right? And he came over with a family member 
This young man uh, did not speak, um, wore a mask in my house the entire time with his hair hanging down, the mask on the hood up the entire time. <clears throat> uh, didn't want to talk, kept his head down, didn't really talk. Like everything I said was yes or no. That was the answer to that. But what ends up happening, and I knew this would happen because I've been doing this for long enough, is that if I just start talking, if I just start list, paying attention or or waiting for them to say a little bit more about something, asking a follow-up question to that. So this young person comes to my house and they say something about TikTok, or I mentioned something about TikTok and they go, I have 80,000 followers on TikTok. Oh, what? I know you want to talk about that. You have 80,000 followers on TikTok. You're 11 years old. How is that even possible? How do you have 80,000 followers on TikTok? Well, I made a TikTok that went viral and it got 5 million views. Bro, what? Bro, you've even been sitting in my house for an hour and I don't know that you have 5 million views on TikTok for something that you made. What kind of, where's, where's the video? I got to see this. I got to know about this, right? And in my mind, do I really care about TikTok? Do I really care about what the video was? Do I really care about so it was about gaming. Do I care about anime? Do I care about any of the other stuff? No, but I care about you. So now I do care about that because I care about you. So what I'm doing now is getting a kid to talk about who they are and what they've done and who, and what they're about. And that creates a space where now it's game on. Now we're talking about all kinds of stuff and you're it's still awkward and weird, but I only had a couple of hours. But if that student, I was telling my wife, was my kid, it is your student, that, that yeah, if that student, student if that kid was my student, um, I already have, now I'm in right now. I can get you to, now you, you trust me. Um, I've created, I've created trust. I've created interest. Um, I've shown you that you're important. And over time, you're kind of doing that again and again and again. And then you, you are, creating a space where like that kid feels like you're you're their number one so i know my buddy if anyone talks to one online or in the facebook group uh chris carson is like magical at this that kid chris gets all the kids that come into his room that can't stand the other teachers can't stand school don't want to do the work and chris sprinkles his magical chris magic on them and then they do it um and so it's about it's about doing that. So I don't know that I, I don't have like a, like a, a traditional icebreaker to me. It's just, let's just, can we just kick it for a week? And cause I'm just like, I'm so glad you all are here. I'm so glad that you're a part of this. I'm so glad that they're letting us do this. Like, it's awesome. Um, we all been up to, what are you watching? I'm old. What should I be paying attention to? Then example of this last week, someone brings up venom. I've not seen the venom movie. Reynolds, you watch all the Marvel movies. Why don't you watch Venom? You have to watch Venom. So what do I do? I go home that night and I watch Venom. And, and it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> and then I go in the next day and I'm like, all right, listen, before we even start class, I have 12 questions because I don't even understand exactly what I watched last night because I don't know the comic books. Who's watch, Who's read the Venom comic books? A bunch of kids raise their hands. Then we have this full tilt conversation for about 10 to 12 minutes on Venom, the history of it, where he came from, all this stuff. And then they're like, well, you got to go see the second one now. What? when does it come out it came out last week all right bet so now this wednesday me my wife and my son are all going to go my daughter has no interest we're going to go see venom this wednesday but it's it's those little investments that i'm making that help kids to love to be around you then when they enjoy being around you and they trust you then it's game on for all the other stuff that you have to do we'll do one more question cool um, John Fox is asking if a parent emails you and is upset about something that wasn't your fault or responsibility, do you start, do you start off with, I'm sorry to acknowledge or validate their feelings or how do you respond? Uh, that's a great question, John. Um, I think whenever parents go through anything, um, the first thing I say is, I, Hey, I want to thank you so much for sending this email. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you came to me with this because the thing that you need to know is that your child's success is more important to me than anything else in the school. It's more important than me. It's more important than the rules. It's more important than the policies and procedures. It is your kid's success is of my utmost importance. It's the reason I do my job. And so then, I mean, you could say like, follow that up with, I'm really sorry. Cause what you're doing, when you say, I'm sorry to someone, you're acknowledging what they're going through. Um, and you're acknowledging that it sucks. And so even if it's not that big of a deal or if it is a big deal or if it's really traumatic or if it's horrible, 
saying I'm sorry is like sometimes, and I take this from like, uh, learned this a long time ago that like a lot of times when my wife is going through something, um, it is not me fixing her. It's not me making her laugh. It's not me snapping her out of it. It's not making me, it's not me like helping her feel good or something like that. It is me acknowledging that I'm really sorry that you're going through this. It sucks. And I wish there was something I can do and I can't, but like, I really, I'm sorry. And I love you saying, I'm sorry to a parent is the same thing, but I would start off with, thank you so much for contacting me about this. Your student, your child's success is of the utmost importance to me is literally the whole reason that I do the work that I do. And I'm, I, I'm, I want you to know that I'm going to do anything that I can to try and meet this need for you. Um, and then tell them what you, what you kind of have planned. Uh, and remember that you don't have to, you don't have to be the solution to every single problem. It could maybe not be you. It might be the counselor at school. It might be another teacher. It might be the principal. It might be like, think about your community and how you all are going to work to meet the specific need that a child or a parent has. And then that's where I would start with that. Of course, there are, there are more questions. There are more questions, but as always, it is about creating boundaries. And this year is really, really about creating boundaries and, and trying to to fill myself up. Um, so for me, what that looked like was yesterday, woke up late. Um, I don't know if we even had breakfast. No, we didn't because we didn't eat till like four o'clock. Went to a bunch of fall festivals. What else did we do yesterday? Came home, worked oh, on my puzzle. We sat on the porch for a long time and yeah. had coffee because the weather was fall and beautiful. Yeah. We went to fall festivals. We ate lots of indulgent foods yesterday. Yeah. We just had a really great, like, peaceful. And went to the movies last night. Like, family-filled um, day yesterday. Yeah. And then even, like, the kids' friends came with us out last night. So it was, it was just great. And then today, same thing. Woke up late, did church. We eat chili and watch the Eagles. Yeah. That's what we're doing. So, look. Gang, as this year goes on, I'm really thinking about, and maybe, maybe people are interested in this. I'm thinking about doing another workshop. We did a workshop in the beginning of the year, but I'm thinking about doing a workshop called So Now What? Uh, whereas like you had this idea for your year, you wanted it to go a certain way, and then it went left instead of right. Or you were like, the school just made a swift change, or it's not what you dreamed it would be. Or you taught your first year virtual, and now you came back. And you were like, oh, this isn't, I thought I, I thought I had this unlocked a little bit more. And it's not, it's not, it's not good. Um, so I'm thinking about doing a workshop that would help folks to identify what's going on and to win this year by by any means necessary, right? Like to really and and give very clear strategies, procedures, um, and to be able to help folks and then have a QA afterwards where people could like, we could actually speak to that just that topic where it's a, a it's a focused group of people that are speaking to this topic so that's something i'm i'm considering doing uh in the next month or so so if you're interested um i'd love to hear that in the chat or you can send me a message directly and and, and let me know if that's something that you or, or you think your school or your community would be interested in um but for right now look we're gonna go watch the eagles and we are not winning a lot lately and they're pretty bad losses too so uh it could be depressing. Could be. Um, <laughs> I might have to take a trip to the bar later. I'm not really sure, but I hope everyone has a great weekend, uh, and we'll see you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, on Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk Sunday night Teacher Talk. Not real. Oh, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, peace. That didn't. It was supposed to be so smooth, and it didn't do smooth because it I hit the wrong button there. I'm gonna do it again. Thanks for showing up, everybody. Peace. Yeah.